Hi everyone, it's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Before we get into today's podcast, and we're going to talk about all the way at the very end in greater detail, but needed to front load with this information because it's critical. Coronavirus impact notwithstanding, Rob and I are going to be live with Daryl Reynolds, as we know, 2017 grad, 2016 national champion, four-time Big East regular season champion, three-time Big East tournament champion. Mouthful, but important to say, we are going to be live with him from Crompton Ale House on West 26th Street in New York at 5 p.m., so two hours prior to Villanova's quarterfinal matchup versus the 7 and 10 seed on Thursday of the Big East tournament. So check us out. We're going to be live be a fun, interactive set. You want to meet D-Ray, come. It's going to be an awesome time. Secondly, we have, we are very excited to announce a lineup of interviews that we're going to be dropping in between Selection Sunday and Thursday of the NCAA tournament called the National Championship Series. What that's going to feature is an interview with Chuck Everson of the 1985 National Championship team who is kind of like the mayor of Villanova basketball, honestly, knows everybody from the program. You need to know Chuck Everson. He is just an unbelievable guy who has so many stories to tell and really just an emotional and very interesting podcast you got to listen. Secondly, we're going to be talking with Matt Kennedy and Denny Grace from the 2018 team. Um, Another great couple guys. We're talking to them next week during the Big East tournament. And thirdly, TBD yet to be named. We have a person who we are likely to talk to from the 2016 National Championship team. We are very excited about it, but don't want to commit to it live just yet because we just don't want to overcommit and potentially have it fall through because scheduling might be difficult. That being said, no matter who we get, it's going to be awesome. So with that said, Thank you for listening. Thank you so much to the fans who have made this podcast a reality and who have lifted us um, for the thousands of listens we get each episode. We really very much appreciate it. Stay tuned with us. We have a lot of great content coming your way. Again, meet us live at Crompton Ale House on West 26th Street before Villanova's quarterfinal game. We'll be starting live with D-Ray starting at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. And now let's pass it to Jim Nance. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. It's starting to roll off the tongue a little bit easier now. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's a little long, but we're going to deal with it. Bill Simmons deals with it, so we're going to deal with it. Yeah. Boom. All right. First thing that we need to say, Big East fucking champions. Absolutely. Boom. Co-champions, but... Co-champions, Champions, nonetheless. It's a three-way. Yeah. It's a menage a championship. 
I like it. I yeah. like it. All right. So, so, but we did it. We got it done. It was a little ugly. It was very dicey. I did not see it coming. I mean, two weeks ago, if you would have told me that Villanova was the co-champion, I would have said, you're full of shit. Yeah. And it was dicey up until like five seconds left in that game. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, literally the buzzer. Until so, the buzzer went yeah, off. Yeah. Until the buzzer went off. And then, and then Creighton smoked Seton Hall. So yes. So that's the headline. Let's not bury the lead here. Yeah. Kudos like, to the guys. Kudos to the guys. We are Big East champions. And you gotta love it. It's pretty exciting. We're excited. I know we said we don't value, here at the full 40, we don't put as much value at this point, and maybe I'm speaking for me, on the regular season championship, but it's pretty exciting to see the guys get it done. No. I, you're right, because we place more value on NCAA championship. Yeah. But for this team, this year, after losing like three quarters of the scoring from last year's team... Yeah. For this guy, for this team in this year, which was probably the best year of the Big East since like 2011 or something like that. Yeah, easily since the new Big East. Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. best for this new Big East. quote unquote rebuilding team to get a Big East regular season championship is unbefuckingbelievable. Yes. Just an astounding accomplishment versus teams that have been together for years and years and years. So that's number one. Can't bury that. That's so important. Like, super awesome for the guys. Everything broke perfectly in the last week for this to happen. So, as you'll remember, we said last week, we said, oh, after we lost to Providence, we don't see a path to winning the Big East because Creighton was obviously going to win and then they were going to win two games and then it was going to be shit out of luck for us. Yep. And then Creighton got smoked. By St. John's at St. John's, which we did not see coming. Shocking. Yeah. And then we beat Seton Hall, which, Rob, you predicted. I did call 2-0. I did not. So I'll happily take a mea culpa there. Yeah. Followed by us beating Georgetown and Creighton beating Seton Hall, which laid it all out. Three co-Big East champions. And... In a perfect possible scenario, we A, get the glory of a Big East regular season championship, and B, get to play the night games on Thursday in the Big East tournament. I love it. Sign me up. It's Big East week. How can you not be excited about this? Look, I'm biased. I live in New York. I call myself a New Yorker at this point. This is a week I'm just pumped about every single year. Oh, yeah. Look, the NCAA tournament means more because obviously the national attention and the whole nine yards... But there ain't anything, anything like the Big East Tournament. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And especially this year, the only thing that could get in the way of this Big East Tournament being absolutely the best possible thing ever, and I think we should talk about this right now, yeah. is the coronavirus. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. And yeah, let's talk about it now. Let's kind of get it out of the way. Um, you and I talked about actually discussing this last week. And I'll be honest, I was going to say, I was going to make a couple jokes about it, but we agreed, like, eh, it probably wasn't appropriate. This week we said, we actually need to talk about it because it has real ramifications, certainly on people's lives, which we're not really going to get into. We're going to keep this focused on the basketball landscape. And I will be very clear, we are not going to give any health advice whatsoever. You should refer to whoever your professionals are there. We're going to talk about the implications on the Big East Tournament and the NCAA Tournament. That's correct. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. We're a basketball podcast, so we talk about the impact on basketball. Yes. 
And yeah, so there is a, at this point, it looks like nothing so far on the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament is going to change as a result of the coronavirus. As we sit here today, Saturday. Yeah, but things are changing very watching quickly. the Villanova and Seton Hall Creighton games. Yeah. That's today. Yep. This is a fluid thing. Shit is breaking every second and things could change in an instant. So all we're saying is there is a possibility. I don't think they're going to cancel it. They're not going to cancel the games. What they could do is say, we're going to play the games without fans in the stadiums, etc. So it's possible you could watch the Big East tournament. Possible that you might not be able to be there, which is unfortunate for a lot of reasons. Because as Rob said, best atmosphere. All right. So knock on wood, hopefully nothing's canceled. Hopefully the spread of the virus is relatively contained in the U.S., that's all we're going to say about that because yeah. we have no expertise whatsoever no. on it. Yep. So let's move on to... What do we take away from the games? Yeah, they'll come. Yeah. This was... I'll put it this way. This was the best win of the season and the worst win of the season in yeah. one week. In one week, yeah. In one week. Because at Seton Hall, you and I talked about this a little bit before. What do we think was the best win of the season? Is it at... All right, sorry, at Seton Hall, or was it the home win versus Kansas? On paper, it's Kansas. Yeah, you beat, you knock off the number one. But I believe it was the best win of the season to win at Seton Hall because of the environment, Miles Powell Senior Day, everything that was on, that was riding on that game. Seton Hall could have won that game and put the conference away. They could have taken it. It was in their grasp. They could have won the outright Big East Championship on Miles Powell's senior day versus their arch nemesis, Villanova. And we went out and we put a fucking log of poop on that whole thing. Interesting perspective. So you came on, kind of came at it from the perspective of maybe the fans and the program, like what do we feel is the best win? I'll kind of come at it from more of the committee perspective. And if I'm the committee looking at it, I may actually come to the same conclusion that you come to. And the reason I might come to that conclusion is the fact that the Kansas game, while a great win against the number one team, was a game that was, one, at home for Villanova, two, was played in December, which, while we had played 10, 12 games at that point, you still have teams that are forming and figuring out their identity. And 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 three three was a non-conference game, which, while important and both teams got up for it, at the end of the day doesn't mean all that much from necessarily a postseason perspective and kind of that rivalry perspective. Yeah, you're, you're, you're swaying, you're swaying back and forth. But, but point being, when I contrast that with the win against Seton Hall, I now say, hey, look, these are the teams that are going into the tournament. They know who they are. They've established themselves. Two, Villanova was playing away and in that crazy environment. And three, they're now playing against a guy you mentioned, Miles Powell, who at this point in the year has established himself as a first-tier top, top All-American player. Yeah, first-tier top five player in the country. So, if I'm the committee, I actually probably come to the same conclusion that you do. That I'm actually more impressed by the Seton Hall win at this point. I agree. By the book, the committee cannot weigh one win over another differently based on conference, non-conference, time of the season. Wink, wink. Right. But what we're saying here is there's a human element. Oh, 
of course. Yeah. And so the committee's bunch of humans getting together, and what do they remember? They remember, oh, Villanova went into Seton Hall and fucking put, closed the lid on their Big East tournament, uh, Big East regular season championship hopes in a crazy atmosphere. Yeah. And that's what people, and that was the national champ, that was the national game of the week. Everyone was watching, all eyes on it. It was crazy in there. And I want to talk about that for a second. The Seton Hall fans, credit to them, because that atmosphere at that game, by the way, thank you, Coach Shaq, for the ticks. Yeah, so so Chris and I were able to attend with a couple friends yeah. as well. Amazing seats. The environment, I will say, as much as we hate them, hat tip to the Hall oh, fans yeah. who were ready to go. Bonkers. It, that environment was amazing. Bonkers. Obviously not amazing for us, but that place was ready to explode. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it right up there. The atmosphere in that game was as intense or more intense. I'm wavering back and forth of where to rank it. With at Kansas when we played at mm, Allen last Fieldhouse year. Last, last year. year. Allen Fieldhouse had more spirit because of the history. Yeah. But the atmosphere and energy in the stadium was bananas. Yeah. In the Seton Hall game. Um, it was right up there with any Big East championship game. And it was like pretty much the best regular season game I've been to. Maybe my favorite like atmosphere win since like the 2016 National Championship game. I, I would 100% agree with you there. Yeah. Just because it was so electric in there. Yeah. yeah. If you weren't there, it's really hard to like put into words. Like People who I talked to who watched it on TV said, wow, it sounded crazy. I'm telling you, it couldn't have done it justice. It could not have done it justice. I mean, look, I, I think you made the point when we, were, when we were hanging out at the game that this Seton Hall team is equivalent to kind of how we felt in 16 of like, this is our year. Uh, no, I thought about. I said it as uh, the 2006. I said it was their 2006 mm. team. That's their breakthrough. Yeah, yes. yeah. This is their breakthrough. This is their team that has to go deep. Yeah, they've got the All American. They're ready to go. Yeah. And yes, that crowd. I'm sure at this point they're crushed that they only ended up with a, a share of the Big East title. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah. The, let's say it this way: the Big East in an emblematic year. Wound up with three co-champions in a 10-team league. The chances of that happening are like infinitesimally small. Yeah. And it speaks to the strength of the league. This league was just beating up on each other all year. When we go into the NCAA tournament, I'm going to state this confidently today. The Big East will have three or four, maybe more, teams in the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. And two or three teams in the Elite Eight. And potentially two teams in the Final Four. I have made the claim. I don't disagree with you. This league is set up for... Postseason success, way more so than we have before. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And, and I think we'll get to that a, a little bit later. All right. So the only thing I want to talk about coming out, the only negative, because I thought the play from that team, top to bottom, was incredible. The way we played against Seton Hall, execution, the ability to hit big shots, Justin Moore knocking down some mm. amazing jumpers, Sadiq Bey being able to take over the game, Colin making heady plays, Jermaine making effort plays, Justin Rob, um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl making like every necessary board that he needed to get in crunch time was incredible. And DCR, Dada playing great yeah. down the stretch now. Everything was great. Up until the last minute of that game, free throw. When we could not hit a fucking free throw to save our goddamn life, it was unreal. We are, 
I don't know if we still are, but we had been the, the best. best the best free free throw shooting team within the Big East and one of the best in the country. And the wheels the wheels have started to come off a little bit on that. The past better few today. Weeks. Better today. Better today. Started to come off the past two weeks and they absolutely fell off in that Seton Hall game. I think we missed five or six in a row. Yeah. And it was one of those with two minutes left, we were up, I don't know, eight or ten, and we were sitting there thinking, oh yeah, this is over. The Hall fans were literally leaving the building because they knew it was done. They left. They left. There were a ton of people who left, and we could not close it out. Yeah. And it was interesting because we've talked about this team not being able to close out games before. This is a new way not to close out games. Yeah, right. I've never seen this from a Villanova team. In all my years of fandom, it's been like, I've never seen a Villanova team unable to close the game with free throws. Yeah, you. Ha- it's funny. It's not funny. We left that game, and I turned to you, and I said, I know what these guys are doing tomorrow at practice. Oh, yeah. It's definitely shooting free throws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the free throw shooting, it's obviously got to improve. You're going to get in more crunch time situations come March, and hopefully, knock on wood, they kind of go back to their average. One of the other big takeaways I have from this week is the rotation. So, oh. so every year, and Jay is very much known for this, he trims the rotation to to, to, wait, wait, to seven to seven and a half guys. Yeah, yeah. To, to seven, seven and a half. But it's it's you know we're not doing a, pl- a platoon approach. It's not like we've got two five man rotations. We plug in and out. It's like nope, we've got our seven, our eight guys max that we're plugging in. But they're all playing. You know they've got a clear role. They're playing significant minutes. That's does not seem to be the case at this no. point. We are down to a basically a five and a half man rotation. Wild. Wild. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> we'll see if it pays off. Yeah, yeah. But it's also wild who it is. Earlier in the season, we were talking about how, oh, Moore, Bay, Gillespie, Samuels, J-Rob. Five of those five guys. And then you have Swider, Swider who started several games this year. Slater, and then way down on the list, Demir Cosby Roundtree. Yeah. Okay, now all of a sudden, Demir Cosby Roundtree has become the sixth man on this team. Yeah, and he's, and I will, full credit to DCR, he's stepped up his game. Oh, big time. Like, big time. We are seeing, I, I love it, I'm, I'm really excited about it. We like, root hard for, for Dada on this podcast. Yeah. Just no mistake about it. Like other guys, we've been known sometimes to drag a little bit. Yeah. We root hard, we love Dada. Yeah, so the guy has absolutely stepped up his game. He's performing well, and he's getting back into the 12, 15-minute per game range. So he is clearly, like you said, the sixth man. What we've seen now is that Cole and Slater have absolutely taken that back seat, which you understand why Jay's doing it. But at the same time, we're talking about we are literally running our starters and Dada, and if that's not working... Jay doesn't seem to be comfortable going to anybody else, which maybe you can get away with that in the regular season, but this is the postseason now. And it is literally you win in advance or you go home. Yeah. Look, I'm not a coach. I'm not a basketball expert. I'm just a fan sitting here. It makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Like, yeah. you go back to 16, you go back to 18, you go back to every year before. There are guys that you pull off the bench and say, "Hey, this guy's going to give me ten points," and I know what I know. It's coming. There's some energy coming. We don't have that right now. No, no, we don't. Not at all. 
And what we have is what we have is a hope and a prayer that the that the five guys starting plus DCR can be on for the next nine games. Which is it's a lot of games. Like I don't want to harp on it. It's funny actually that we're talking about this because a week ago we were making the point about Jim Beheim who brought up Colin and Sadiq and said, Hey, these guys play forty minutes a game and they don't complain about it. Totally fair. We're now say we're now at a point where basically we've got all of those guys playing forty minutes a game. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yes. I know these guys are elite athletes. I know they put in the work, and I know they're looking at each other saying, hey, we've got 10 games left to fucking do this. Let's buckle up and get it done. But it's going to be tiring. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely Absolutely. 100%. We got to talk about the Georgetown game. Okay, let's talk about the Georgetown game. Because that was a root canal of a win. I am beyond. I don't remember a time I was this mad about winning a basketball game. We were up 17 to 2 and then subsequently 26 to 9. Yeah. 17 points early in that game. We looked at each other and said, Psh, we were walking away. We're like, Psh, fuck this. We got it. Boom, done. Game over. We're just crushing them. I, I Georgetown li- sucks. Everyone I, sucks. I we're the best. I literally texted our friends and said, hey, could we shut them out? Yeah. Like, it was that bad. Yeah, they it were was terrible. Ugly. It was ugly. And then, what the fuck? All of a sudden, we let them not only all the way back in the game, but we get basically lucky to win the game. And I can't remember a worse effort in a win than today's game. After we got up big, we fell asleep at the wheel. We did not make proper adjustments to the adjustments they made. We turned the ball over a bunch on inbounds plays and getting pressed. Which, by the way, I'm sorry, needs to be something we have worked on all fucking season because we've been constantly exposed for it all season long. And somehow we weren't prepared for Georgetown's five-man rotation because they have maybe eight scholarship guys on the team, period. And we weren't prepared to handle that. Bull fucking shit. That was a bullshit effort. I'm calling it out on this podcast today as much as I am passionate about... This team and these guys, and I love Villanova, and I love the guys on this team. That was bullshit, and it needs to be called out. Yeah, I'll, I'll make two points. And if it happens, sorry, before you get into it, if yeah. it happens in the postseason, we're done. It's over. We played a 15-15 and 15 Georgetown game today, and we were up 26-9. to 9. You let any other big-time good tournament-ready opponent back into this game like you did that, and you're getting blown the fuck out in the second half. Not lucky to win. That is a hot take, and I will compliment it by saying Georgetown is not a good team to start. They also didn't have their best player, Mac McClung, playing. Right. He just he was not suited. He was not dressed today. So yeah, you're hurt. playing. You're playing Georgetown's. Oh, not only that, they also didn't play their second best player, which is Omar Yurtseven. Yeah. So their two best players were out, and somehow they made this a competitive game. I think. The point you made is a point, I'm just guessing here, is a point that Jay's going to hammer home. What was interesting at the end of the first half, Jay normally does a little blurb with Fox or whoever it is on the way to the locker room. He just literally ran off the court. There was a clip of him jogging to the locker room. I haven't seen that in a while. He kind of threw Colin to the wolves and said, hey, Colin, you deal with the press right now. 
I have to imagine it wasn't a an uplifting locker room speech. No. The kicker was it only got worse yes. at halftime. It was worse. But basically, this team needs to learn, because they haven't learned already, that when you get up on an opponent, that means it's time to fucking step on their throat and slam the fucking door. Villanova used to be a team where if you press Villanova, you're asking for absolute chaos. I, I don't know, man. Like, like they like teams now know that if they press us, they're going to get the results that they want. That cannot be the case. This team needs to learn. They have a very short period of time to do it, and they only have a five-and-a-half-man rotation, which is Jay's fault. If they're going to win in March now, in the postseason, they have to learn how to handle that, and they have to learn how to execute teams. Like, I mean, literally, not execute the play. I mean, literally, put teams to rest in those situations where those teams press. Outlet, outlet, outlet. Boom, pass, done, jam. Like, it should be like curtains for a team once they start having to press us. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are now entering the Big East tournament. So we basically have the Big East tournament to experiment and, as you put it, learn that, refine that skill, and then get ready for the NCAAs. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen, but your point is well taken, for sure. All right, so I think those are some of the uh, some of the big takeaways. We from... gotta do a weekly awards. We gotta do the weekly awards. So should we start with um, Alpha, uh, the Arf Arf Alpha Dog of the week? Yeah. Who do you got this week? It's tough. It's tight. It for me, it comes down to Jermaine, who had some clutch plays and had a great game against Seton Hall, and. The man, the myth, the legend, Sadiq Baywatch Bay, who we'll get to in just a little bit. At the end of the day, I'm going to give the alpha dog to Sadiq Bay. Because the man has been putting up, I think he put up 20 against Seton Hall, and I think he put up 18 or 19 against Georgetown today. He's getting it done in all facets of the game and keeping us steady. Sadiq Bay gets my alpha dog of the week. The other argument is Jermaine Samuels. Yeah. Who was incredible against Seton Hall and made the clutch plays down the stretch against Georgetown. I agree with you, though. It was big. That said, the Shaq fit man play of the week is the play of the game, the play that won us the game, gets to the cup improbably, gets fouled, gets the goal 10 call, which was the right call. It was absolutely the right call. Right, and then sinks the free throw. That was, after everything that happened in the Seton Hall game and all the conversation we just had about the free throws being a disaster, hits the free throw to put us up one that effectively gets us the lead to win the game. That is the Shaq Fit man play of the week. Jermaine Samuels. Love him. One of the weirdest game-winning plays that you'll probably see. I can't think of any others that... Oh, I can think of a... Right off the top of the bat, I can think of a goaltend that won us a game. Oh, I know what it is. It's the Boston College play. Yep. Oh, interesting. Back in... Was that oh oh six oh six yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. I think it got us into overtime, but whatever. It doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, you're yeah. right. But yeah, anyway, weird play. Dan. But yes, that, that absolutely has to be the Shaq fit man play of the week. And we've talked about it before. We love when Jermaine attacks the hoop. Yes. If Jermaine a... Samuels is, like, I've said this on Twitter. Jermaine Samuels, I don't know about you. I'm speaking just for me. Uh-huh. Jermaine Samuels is my favorite player on this team. I love Jermaine Samuels. 
Jermaine makes effort plays. Jermaine reminds me, I've said this a million times before. Jermaine oh, reminds me. Oh, tell me more, Chris. Jermaine reminds <laughs> me of Dwayne Anderson in 2009 and in 2008. He would make winning plays all the time. I, all the time. I mean, look, this season alone, and Fox, we hate Fox, but Fox highlighted it during the game today. Jermaine is just. Mr. Clutch this year, and even last year at this point. Yeah. The dude is developing a reputation for getting it done in crunch time. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah. We get him for another year? Sign me up. Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. So I think those are, are the awards for the week. Do we have to do our Baywatch? I think we should do the Baywatch. Yeah. So... So those started, who missed us last yes, week, yeah. we did have technical difficulties with the podcast. We apologize for that, but not apologize too much because it's a podcast. It's still on. You can go listen to it. Yeah, totally. But we started a segment last week called Baywatch, which is our watch of Sadiq Bay's NBA draft chances. Yes. And we rated them as highly probable that he is an NBA player. And this week, I would even go further to say that Sadiq Bey is going to the NBA next year. He is legitimately a pro right now, and it looks like he's playing on a different court than all the other players on the court. Yeah, so Sadiq Bey, to be clear, right now is David Hasselhoff in Baywatch. Or, for our younger listeners, is The Rock in the new version of Baywatch. He's the guy you go to when the team needs saving. He came through this week. It's pretty consistent. He's the guy. So what happened this week for Sadiq? We talked about his performance, which is just unfucking believable But he continued to get some more accolades. This week, he was named a Julius Irving Award finalist. So one of five players left in consideration for the Julius Irving Award, which Villanovans wing you, as we, recall, as we call it these days, Oh, yes. Have a recent history of winning. Josh Hart won the Julius Serving Award. Mikhail Bridges won the Julius Serving Award. And I'm calling it right now, Sadiq Bey is going to win the Julius Serving Award. In addition to that press, he had a couple great articles written about him. I think Forbes did a great one. There are a few others out there about his passion for the game and how he's just straight killing it. So, look, he is David Hasselhoff. He is the rock. He's the guy. At this point, he's shown up on a lot of NBA mock draft lottery boards. He's gone. Done. Appreciate him for the next couple weeks, because you might not see him in a Villanova uniform after that. Yep. And we wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. The Baywatch, I think that's it for the week. Yep. Cool. Okay. Now let's talk about, we got to talk about the Big East Tournament. It's coming up. We've talked about how exciting oh, it is. Oh, it's the biggest tournament coming up? I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize. It's a big deal. Oh, okay. Um, we've talked about it a bunch of times, but we got to talk about how it's actually going to play out and how it's going to look. Three-way co-champion. Cool, 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 cool. We got the two-seed. Okay. So the result of that means that we play the 7 p.m., the first game of the nightcap on Thursday night, mm. versus the winner of the 7 and 10 game. The 7-10 and 10 game is either going to be Xavier Marquette as the 7 seed or DePaul as the 10 seed. That's how it's going to be. So we're going to be playing Xavier, Marquette, or DePaul. We've gone 2-0 and versus DePaul and 2-0 and versus Xavier and 1-1 and versus Marquette. A very different Marquette team as of late. 
So let's just take this opportunity real quick to say, fuck Steve Wojciechowski. He's terrible. Yeah. That team has absolutely fallen apart down the stretch. Two years in a row. Two years in a row. Every year in a row. Every every year in a row. He's a terrible coach. He's not a good coach. He's not a great guy. You know him personally? No, I I don't need to know him personally. (laughs) Sorry, actions speak louder than words. And you can tell by the way he acts on the sideline that he can't be a good guy. And you can also tell by the proof is in the pudding because he's got two players that he played a lot last year. The Housers. The Housers. And he wasn't able to keep them on the team. Sorry, no player leaves who's getting a ton of playing time to sit out for an entire season. It is a little that's, weird. That's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. You know, it'd be one thing if he was leaving the program and it was a hardship waiver or something like that. No, that's not how it's going. Yeah. This is literally two players who were getting the most playing time after Marcus Howard and left the program. Sorry. Yeah. They're in-state people too. Yeah. Right. So, so basically we're saying we're playing – Either wheels are falling off Marquette, or we're playing the Chiron Cartwright of the Big East in Xavier, or we're playing DePaul, who, who has is, no struce that's loose. No struce is loose. The Charlie Moore show. DePaul is doing DePaul things as they do, just falling to the bottom of the Big of the Big East. Yep. So okay, so um, play them first. So you play them first. The nightcap of the nightcap of the nightcap. Is, is Seton Hall versus uh, Butler or Xavier? I don't think all the seed lines are, are set yet. At the time of this podcast, by the time tomorrow night or when you're listening to this podcast, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, you'll know. We don't know at the moment. So we're podcasting. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Yeah. Fuck it. But yeah, but point being that if the seeds hold, we would play Seton Hall in the semifinals. So who have we avoided? We've avoided until the final, Creighton and Providence. Yep. Which I think all fans of the program will say, thank God. Yeah, and, but look, you're signing up for Seton Hall. And, and selfishly, I kind of wanted to see Seton Hall in the final just because they're close. You know the Seton Hall fans. You know the Villanova fans are going to fill MSG. Creighton, just by virtue of proximity, not going to fill MSG as much as you want. So if the final ends up to be Villanova versus Creighton, the atmosphere is not going to be quite what it could be. You almost think about that Villanova-Seton Hall semifinal as like the pinnacle and the most exciting game that could happen in the Big East tournament. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, the miracle on ice. Yeah. Right? USA, USSR, back in the 80s. People don't remember that was actually the semifinal game. USA had to go out and beat Sweden, something like that. Something like in that. In the final. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Point being, the matchup to watch out for, Villanova Seton Hall. Friday night in the goal. Second game of the set. Oh my god. Villanova Seton Hall. You know the Vince McMahon uh the Vince McMahon meme where he's like falling off his chair? That's what that game's gonna be like. Yeah. It's gonna be crazy. I cannot wait. I remember last year when we were watching the Seton Hall game, we were chatting next to some of these Seton Hall fans. You were making friends with them. That is not happening this year. I'm not allowing it. No. There's nothing. We're going. We're taking it. Yeah. Let's get it done. It's going to be bonkers. It's going to be absolutely wild. Bonkers is like your new word. Oh, I love the word bonkers. bonkers. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is it not going to be bonkers? It's probably going to be bonkers. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's the landscape that we are looking at for the Big East Tournament. Creighton gets the one seed. Providence is the four. Some other things left to decipher. 
We know the bottom. We know the top. Who are you calling? I don't think we're winning the biggest tournament this year. Who, do, who gets it? I think Seton Hall is going to win it. I think Seton Hall is going to beat us on Friday night. And I think Seton Hall is going to play Providence. Wow. For the Big East Championship. And I think Seton Hall is going to get it done. I think Marquette is going to miss the NCAA tournament somehow, some way. I think the Big East will get six teams in. And I think Providence is going to have a very good seed given how bad that they played. We were talking on this podcast about Ed Cooley being potentially on the hot seat like months ago. Yeah, after their after their atrocious, conference or atrocious, tournament, like yeah. literally one of the worst teams coming out of the gate into conference play. Yeah, and have totally redeemed themselves. <laughs> totally redeemed yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. So unfortunately, I kind of like your call. I think we're going to struggle to beat Seton Hall again. You know they're going to be out for revenge. I think they beat us in the semifinal. I don't know if Providence is my take in the final. I think Creighton pushes through because Creighton's playing for the postseason. Creighton wants some titles. Yeah, They got the regular season. I think they're going to push hard for the, the Big East title. I think they'll get it done there, and then we'll see what happens in March. I have this weird feeling, this weird feeling that Creighton's going to lose their Thursday game. Ooh. Yeah, so you're thinking of it as Providence versus Creighton. And I'm actually thinking of it as St. John's versus Crate oh versus Providence. I think St. John's is going to shock people by beating Creighton again for the second time in like two weeks. St. John's on a little run right now. They're on a little run. Yeah. They're playing hot. And I think they're going to carry that through in their home court through MSG. And then they're going to play Providence. And I think it's going to be two hot teams playing each other. And Providence is the better team. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All so right. I think Providence is going to beat St. John's. To make the Big East Championship. And yeah. I think Seton Hall is going to beat us to make the Big East Championship. Uh, okay. All right. You heard it here? Yeah. So now, unfortunately, we're both saying no Villanova Championship. We are. Yeah. Could Villanova go out and win? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, obviously, I think we can win it. Like, I think we're tougher. I think we are the team that if it comes down to the last minute or two of a game... For whatever reason, even though we seem to mis- make mistakes all left and right, I think we are the team that has the best, is most experienced to handle those late game situations. I, I, I don't disagree with you, and, and I think our team has that mentality of just, yes, we can get it done. The thing that worries me about stringing together a number of these wins is actually our three-point shooting. Yeah. And I wanted to bring this up a little bit earlier, but I didn't. So we look at the Seton Hall game, and then we actually look at the Georgetown game today. We shot 40% from three in both games, which is, you know, you look at that, you're like, yeah, that's a good that's a good number by any means, right? It's not amazing. It's not, it's not terrible, right? Whatever. It's actually significantly above our season average and significantly above our Big East Conference average. We've only been shooting about 33% in Big East in Big East Conference play. Sounds like a good time to get hot. It does sound like a great time to get hot. And look, momentum is a real thing in sports. We've seen it before, Villanova. This team can absolutely go off. I just am not confident that it's going to happen. And I think 
that fluctuation that we talked about in our previous podcast is going to come back and bite us, and we can't bank on that 40% from three. I wish we could, but realistically, if we're hitting 33% or 35% from three, that's one to two three-pointers made per game, and frankly, that costs us a win against Georgetown, and that costs us a win against Seton Hall. And I think that's what's going to happen in the Big East tournament, and I think, frankly, that's the reason I'm not banking on this team going to the Elite Eight in March. Yep. That. There you go. Hard to disagree. It, 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 it's just numbers. It's yep. math. Yep. yep. That's what we're here for. The full 40 bringing you math every week. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Just math. Straight math, baby. We do have to talk about the biggest tournament in the context of the NCAA tournament. Wait. Is there something bigger that we're shooting for? <laughs> Tell me more, Chris. One of the things that is my favorite part of championship week in college basketball is coming down and realizing what you're going to do, who you're going to get in the NCAA tournament, and what's going to happen. As we sit here today, we are solidly a three seed. Yeah. And we have good experience as a three seed. In 2009, mm. we made the Final Four. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also have bad experience as a three seed. In the 90s, we lost to ODU as a three seed. Oh, God. Kirk Kittles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, rough. So so it could go either way. But as a three, we're looking at pretty solidly being a three. Now, if we lose the first game of the conference tournament to, especially like a DePaul, but to a, a low team, which is which would be likely if, if we play it and we lose, we are likely, we could fall to the four line. It depends on other results going on around sure. the country, et cetera, whatever. We could fall as low as the four line. We can't really fall below that. We're pretty much there. Um, if we win, we're pretty much guaranteed the three. If we win the entire Big East tournament and do so especially convincingly, we could jump to the two line on the strength of having probably beaten Seton Hall and Creighton. Yeah, if we beat both those guys, like we're probably a two. We're probably a two. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's what I'm thinking. So we can be as high as a two, low as a four, probably a three at the end of the day. That's what it looks like. We haven't talked a lot about seeding on the podcast. We usually talk a lot more about it. Yeah. It's kind of harder in this realm because it's easier to talk about when you're jockeying for a one or two seed or if you are um, on the op- opposite end and talking about being on the bubble. Like, it's easier to talk about in those two contexts. The middle between, like, three, probably not higher, and, like, eight, probably not higher, or worse, is, like, hard to talk about because it's so fluid because there's a lot of teams going on. So that's why we haven't focused it on much. We're focused more on team development. But we'd be remiss now that we're at this point in the season to not mention that. Other key thing that I wanted to point out after winning today's game is we're likely to lose one or two more games this year because we're not expecting a Big East or NCAA tournament championship. So based on that and that alone, we might pick up two more losses, but we can only pick up a maximum of two more losses. We're going to lose ten less than 10 games this year, which I always think is a critical thing. It's cool to be able to say this team is going to probably have 25 plus wins and nine or less losses on the season. 
I always think that's a mark of an excellent year of Villanova College. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, so fair point on the seeding. Looking like a three. How do you feel? I feel pretty good about a three. Like if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, hey, things shook out. You got to share the Big East. You got a three seed. Go to uh, the tournament. Yeah. I would have been like, yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. Didn't quite play out the way exactly we thought it was going to, but all right. I'm excited for that. I want to avoid the four line because I think this is a year where I don't think there's anyone who's particularly great, but I do think that the top four seeds, like top 15, 16 teams this year are better than everyone else, Like, which is like an obvious thing to say, but I also think it's like, I also think there's Wait, a dividing the line. the top teams are better than the not top teams? <laughs> Thank you for that insight, Chris. Thank you. Um, I, I, no, I just think that it's one of those years where there's a dividing line at around 15 or 16 or t- like t- top 20 or whatever where those teams are clearly better than the rest of the pack by a margin. Yeah. So being a four seed, you have to – for the right to get into the Sweet 16, you have to play a five. Yeah. Right? So like I think that that is a precarious position. I think being a three and having to play a six seed, you know, after the top – 20 or 18 even, it's been very fluid in and out of the rankings. For sure. But what we've seen with like bracketologies going on is funny, is they always want to put us against Hofstra in the first round, which is, of course, Jay's old team, which is very funny. And then I've seen some things that have put us against Ohio State in the second round. Okay. I know we said we didn't want to talk about this. If there's a team I want to avoid, it's fucking Ohio State. Like, yeah, they're like, right now, as a city here today, they're the 19th rated team in the country. They fucking smoked us earlier in the season. And I know, that was game two or something it like that. It was two. It was two. But that team is still a good team. Yeah. They've had some ups. They've had some downs. I don't want to face them early. No. So face them in the Final Four? Sure. Sign me up because we're in the Final Four. I do not want to face them in the first couple rounds. I think it would be bullshit for us to have to play a Big Ten team in the second round. I saw another one that had us against Iowa. Yeah. Also a team I don't want to no, play. No, no. They've got one of the best players in the country. No, I think it's bullshit for that, we would, that a Big East team would have to get paired against the Big Ten in the second round. Like, if you're the NCAA committee this year, you want the Big East and Big Ten making it as far as it can this year and I think it'd be bullshit for us to have to play a quality Big Ten opponent like could you imagine they could put us against Hofstra followed by fucking Penn State like that's garbage that shouldn't be how it plays out like both teams deserve to play each other in the second weekend that could absolutely happen just because the NCAA would be like oh Pet Chambers Villanova connection let's make that storyline happen because if you think they don't make storylines happen you're naive. Yeah. They absolutely make storylines happen. Oh, 100%. Case in point, 2017, they made Wisconsin, which every bracketologist had as a fucking five seed, and made them an eight seed. Yeah, that was, that was insane. The playoffs. Anyway. All right, so we're at a three. We're comfortable with the three. If we get to two, fine, whatever. Three is fine with Two me. is better. Two is better. We would love a two. To do that, we have to win three games pretty well. Do well in the Big East tournament. Otherwise, it's looking like a three. Lose the first game. You're putting yourself at risk for a four. That's the bottom line. Yep. All right. Works for me. That's it. Right? That's all we got. That's all we got this week. We have to preview. We have awesome things coming down the pike this year. So, so first off, Thursday before 
the game at 7 o'clock, we will be coming to you with D-Ray yep. live from Crompton Alehouse on 26th, West 26th Street in New York. So, like, come. We're going to do a little bit of interactive questions. Like, you could ask D-Ray something that you want to ask. We'll be doing a little bit of live podcast, back and forth. We'll be on for 10 minutes, off for 10 minutes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be interactive. We're looking forward to it. You guys, if you're in New York or you're going to be there for the Big East tournament, come coronavirus notwithstanding. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be fun. We've never done a live event before. Yeah. It's a pretty cool opportunity. We're going to have some fun with it. We yeah. want to hear from our fans. Yeah. We want to hear from people who aren't fans and want to get introduced to the podcast. Yeah. So bring your friends out, have a couple drinks, get to the game. Yeah. Come say hello. Yeah. We want to say hi to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Secondly, we have a very exciting announcement to make. We'd like to present to you the National Championship Series of the Full 40. Yeah. Which we'll be releasing in stages between Selection Sunday and the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. This is... I want to pause here. This is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. This is cool. And to be honest, we have to say thank you to the fans of the podcast. Because without us growing, without us getting thousands of listens a week... Like, we wouldn't be able to get on people's radar. So, like, it's all because of you guys. And, like, and also, thank you to the guys who were interviewing in the program, which yeah. we'll get to. Let's talk about yeah, who yeah. we're, we're going to have. So, one. first off, we talked about this before. We interviewed Chuck Everson from the 1985 team. This guy is, like, the mayor of Villanova basketball. Yeah. 7'3", everyone can see him. Everyone knows him. Great guy. Just like an unbelievable person, cares deeply about the program, cares deeply about the people that make the program what it is. Yeah. If, and, and if you care about Villanova basketball, you should care about Chuck Everson. Yeah. Full stop. Period. Yeah. Period. And the podcast will go into so much detail about that. And like, we'll just say it right now. Like, we thought that the podcast was going to be like telling, retelling of all the games, whatever. It was so personal. It was emotional. It was it was something that, like, while we were sitting there, like, we got the chills because it was that like emotionally riveting. And like, if you listen to the podcast, it'll be a different. It'll be different tonally than how we normally are. Yeah. But worth every second. Hundred percent. Yeah. Secondly, we're interviewing Matt Kennedy and Danny Grace from the 2018 team combined interviews. So before guys. Never done that before. <laughs> it should be interesting. Yeah, but we will be interviewing them. We're talking to them next week, and we're going to, again, be releasing that between Selection Sunday and the first Thursday NCAA tournament. Thirdly, we will be interviewing a member of the 2016 team. We, are, we have someone who's on tap. We are not ready yet to announce it affirmatively, as schedules may not allow it to actually happen. Because it's going to happen next week, and we are not yet prepared to say this is definitely happening. But it's going to be pretty awesome if it does. Yeah. If it is what we think it's going to be, it is going to be amazing, and you have to listen, and you cannot miss it. 100%. Yeah. So we'll tease it. We'll stop there. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Call your parents. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. (laughs) 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> because it's going to be amazing. Oh, wait. And? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Duh. We totally, how can we forget this? We're also talking again yeah. with John Shackleton, 
the Villanova men's performance coach. Yeah. Like, next week, we're going to be talking with him, chatting him up really quick. We're going to see how this all flows and how it plays out, like, when we need to release that yeah. talk. It's going to be much shorter, much more brief, much more to the point than the last podcast, which was our season opener yeah. for season three. But check it out. Listen in. Very exciting. Look, headline is, there's a lot of exclusive shit coming at you from the full 40. We're really excited about it. The growth of the podcast, the interactions we're having with the program excite me personally. And honestly, like the connections that we've been able to build with the basketball program and the Villanova community in general have been amazing. And I do want to take a minute and just pause and say thanks to all the folks that we've been interacting with. We always talk a lot about, like, Villanova talks about community all the time. Super cool to see that actually play out as we're starting to tell this story about the program and about how that impacts broader Villanova folks more deeply. Yeah. And it's just been, it's been really cool. So we're going to say this, we say it every, we say it all the time, but we're going to say it again. If you have an interesting story to tell, we want to tell it. We want to give you the opportunity to tell it. We, our belief of this podcast is as much fun as we want to have. This is us telling the Villanova story through a Villanova basketball lens. So we want to hear from you. We want your input. We want your feedback. Let us know what to do. Let us know who you want us to talk to. Let us know if you want to come on the pot. We're open. We're all ears. We got a long off season ahead of us down the road to have plenty of conversations. We want all that stuff. With that, I think that's it for this week. Yep. Catch us live, Crompton Ale House, 5 p.m. on Thursday, coming to you live prior to Villanova's quarterfinal matchup versus the 7-10 winner in the Big East Tournament. Check us out then and check us out. Selection Sunday, we have a podcast and podcast dropping Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before the NCAA Tournament. Thank you for listening, and as always, let's go Nova. Nova.